0: This is Peter
1: and this is Tom.
0: And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. So we figured since we still don't know who our president is, you know, and this seems to be a, a one of those crazy elections. Uh, we thought maybe we should talk about another crazy election.
1: Yeah, kind of show that um, the 2020 election, which we're not going to get into for a variety of reasons. Nope. But um mm-hmm. a candidate not conceding, a, pre- a candidate claiming that the outcome was corrupt, was not legit, yeah. uh, is nothing new in American politics. Not at all. So
0: today, Tom, what are we talking today about? Today,
1: we'll be looking at the election of 1824 and the so-called corrupt bargain.
0: We're also going to kind of hit up a little bit of the election of 1828 as well i think they kind of go together yeah it's definitely um, it's the
1: sequel it's the empire strikes back
0: yes that's basically is. which is interesting because empire strikes back is more superior to the original star wars i don't care what people say and it was definitely but...
1: better than the prequels and the <laughs> you're such a hater of the prequels all right so the yeah they definitely go. i just yeah well, the
0: originals were better just... that's all that's another yeah, podcast that's another podcast that's another podcast so not that we got indeed another podcast out of the way yeah, so the elections of 1824 and the election of 1828 are, as Tom said, they go together and they both deal with two two candidates, um, one of them being John Quincy Adams and the other one being Andrew Jackson. And, you know, just when you thought the 2020 election was kind of nuts, these are kind of nuts. Yes, right?
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I think what we should start off with is kind of the background of how we even get to, to this election and how these guys wind up running and what's really happening in the country at the time. What is known as the era of good feelings. After the War of 1812, which was our second war against England, which started, you know, in 1812. Hence it, I, I have students ask me, oh, well, when did the war happen? It's called the War of 1812. Yeah, but when did um, it happen? I, I think they're just
1: <laughs> messing with us. They have to just mess
0: with us. I them. know. They totally are. I told They totally are. All right. So after the War of 1812, where we most definitely did not win. But well, we didn't lose. Um, that
1: was the main thing. And That was we the main thing. Exactly. We were able thing. to exactly. stand up. We were able to go toe-to-toe with the British at least sometimes
0: <laughs> yes somewhat and then we didn't lose so it wasn't a war we won but we did not lose and out of that few things come out that are very relevant to the elections of 1824 and 28 that we talk about today one of them is the sheer fact that this is what made andrew jackson become a national figure yeah uh, Andrew the, jackson yeah. won a major battle in the battle of new orleans so, No, now i went to the battlefield it was actually a really cool um cool battlefield i was there a couple years ago and um you know, that kind of propels him to become a national figure. And another thing that happens because of over 1812 is, I guess, twofold. There is a strong feeling of just nationalism and patriotism and, you know, uh, the well-being of one's nation above sectional, you know, tendencies of North, West, South. You know, this is, we are all American. Based on what I was reading, a lot of people wound up getting tattoos of like, American Eagle and American flags following the war of 1812. People people were very proud.
1: People were very proud. It was kind of when America also on a world stage kind of got recognized. All right. Now they're, now they're a real country type of, type of thing. That's why it's off the war of 1812 is a lot of times also referred to as the second war for independence. Mm -hmm. Not that there was a chance that the country was going to be retaken over by the British. That wasn't going to happen. But again, it kind of just reestablishes the United States and, As a country, it's not going anywhere. Here we are. Let's go. What's our future? Very very optimistic for the future after that time.
0: Yep. And when the war started, there was essentially two political parties that entered this war. You had the Democratic Republicans that stemmed from um, Thomas Thomas Jefferson. And by this time, they're kind of starting to call themselves simply Republicans. They dropped the whole Democratic part. And they're they're Republicans. And then the other party that's kind of on the outs here is the Federalist Party. This is the original party of George Washington. And the Federalist Party, at least a faction of it during the War of 1812, were a proponent of um, at one point even like secession from the United States of the northern portion because they were so anti-war. They were very much against it. And while the United States, as Tom mentioned, did not win this war, we definitely did not lose it. And this fervor, this idea of, wow, it's awesome to be an American kind of led to the Federalist Party being shunned, like, hey, you know what? You never believed in us and kind of fell apart.
1: There's still some Federalists in the government, but they, as far as presidential elections, they don't really have any real done. power. Yes, um, there's done. still people that look back at the Federalist Party at this time, which some um, looking at them in a, in a good light, have some of their similar mm-hmm. ideals. But, mm-hmm. but it's mostly the majority of the government is going to be that Democratic-Republican government. Yeah, That's just
0: kind of what brings us to the election of 1824. You know, a few events are happening at this time, and while this era of supposed good feelings, and they said it was an era of good feelings also because James Monroe runs unopposed yeah. um, as a Republican candidate prior to to all this, what starts to happen is when John Quincy Adams decides to run for president 1824, and he runs against... Um, Andrew Jackson, technically at that point, the four people that are running for president are all Republicans. It actually,
1: it was even more than that. Yeah, it was, there were six people total that was actually mm-hmm. – where it had some claim to let's run for president. It was basically um, how I like to describe it. If you've watched those – the um, primaries that they have for like a Republican or Democratic candidate today, that's really what the election of 1824 really was. It was like a caucus mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a primary, basically. And you had some people that actually did win the um, caucus. At first, you had six people. Basically, Monroe, like you were saying, Pete, he wins his second term. His second term is over. He doesn't want to. He decides, I'm good. I'm not going to run for a third term. Again, he's keeping yeah. with that precedent of Washington. No one should have more terms in Washington. Um, that's mm-hmm. basically still there. And you have these six people that are going for it. You have um, Smith-Thompson. Who's going mm-hmm. for it? He's the Secretary of the Navy, John C. Calhoun, which feels like he's you know his name is always coming around. We're going to talk about him a little bit. Later. Yeah, he's
0: like the Godfather yeah. of the South. Then.
1: Secretary of War, William Crawford, who was the Secretary of the um, Treasury, who actually did win a um, caucus to be the pres- next president, but he didn't really have any real backing. So people are like, "No, we mm-hmm. don't. We don't like him." Um, Henry Clay, which is always running for president. He was a current Speaker of the House. And then, like you said, the, yeah. the, main, the main two that come out of this, though, are John Quincy Adams and Andrew Jackson. But he actually had six people, um, S- Smith and- All on
0: the same Republican ticket. All on
1: the same Republican ticket, yeah. Smith. Yeah, and there's Calhoun no opposition quickly, from a different party. Yeah, Smith and Calhoun drop out pretty quickly. And they do that, and a lot of people are like, what about Monroe's vice president? Monroe's vice president was a man by the name of um, Daniel uh, Tompkins. And mm-hmm. he was just like universally disliked. As much as Monroe was liked, he was like the opposite. Plus, the guy was, uh, had like massive debt. He wanted to run for president, but he had massive debt. He was an alcoholic and poor health. He winds up dying three months after the term is over anyway. So that's mm-hmm. one reason why his name doesn't get thrown in there either. But um, yeah, Thompson and Calhoun drop out. Calhoun would actually go on to uh, run for vice president. Um, mm-hmm. The Smith and Tom, they, they realize when they're not going to get enough support. And it's just these four candidates all running at the same time. And again, it's like this primary type of race where – I know you were talking about before about how the country was really together after the War of eighteen twelve, they saw each other mm-hmm. as Americans. But by eighteen twenty four, this election breaks things down to be much more regional, where it depends on what part of the country you were from, really depends on which candidate you supported. And that was Absolutely. that was in that that's, you really see that. I mean, you see that quite a bit today. So at lot times, this election of eighteen twenty four is referred to as one of the first modern day type of elections, especially when you get to the actual election with all the mudslinging and all the talk Mm -hmm. things they were saying about each other.
0: Absolutely. And we should also mention, you kind of alluded to that, that by the time of 1824 rolls around and these guys are running, what would seem, again, kind of interesting in a sense that there's only one political party you would think they'll all get along. And they all all had similar views. I'm
1: sorry, to interrupt. They all had similar views for the most part. They agreed about how to do things Ninety-five percent of the time, and they agreed on how things should be done. It was very similar. Again, it was just—it was basically you were you were voting for which personality, which yeah, person for,
0: and also pure personality and geographical region. Mm-hmm. You know, like this guy is the father of the West. Like Calhoun is from the South. This is who we're going to go for. And we should mention that the nation was kind of heading in the wrong direction. I mean, you have the Panic of eighteen nineteen, right? where the national bank is realizing that they need to kind of fight inflation and they start to uh, call in loans and people start foreclosing on their farms. Uh, Banks are repossessing a lot of the farms, specifically out west. You have Missouri Compromise, which, again, at the time there was a, a balance between free states and slave states, which is, again, a whole nother podcast when you're talking about representation in Congress. You know, you have the argument between, well, should we add more states that are free? Should we add more states that are slave? But this kind of showcases this idea of like that nation is starting to be kind of a little divided in a sense. And these guys, they said that this was the election of the favorite sons. I guess we should talk about both of them. So let's let's kind of let's start with John Quincy Adams. If we're talking about who is, I guess, qualified to be the president of the United States, it does not get any better than john quincy adams
1: yeah yeah. again he was yeah, the son right of john adams like the second president yep. of the united states and he was very similar to his father they said in a lot of ways um mm-hmm. and a lot of he was very smart very intelligent but they said a lot of times his principles really proved to be liabilities as president he kind of did mm-hmm. what he believed was right and if you look at a lot of the things he did um as president or he wanted to do is very progressive like People today would be like, wow, that's a very progressive, liberal mindset. And he's doing it in the 1820s. Um, like, for example, he was big into having like a national um, – paying uh, paying for people to go to college. He wanted, yes. to, he wanted, he wanted
0: to create some form of a, nation, a nationalized national educa- education, education system. He
1: funded science. Uh, he funded science, yeah. like science and exploration, new inventions. He thought that was really important. Um, infrastructure. Infrastructure. He actually um, overturned a case in um, Georgia. About one of the treaties, the Creek Nation Treaty, He actually said, "You know mm-hmm. what? the federal government kind of stole this land, the, the, not, from Native the, Americans. Yeah, the Absolutely. Georgian government stole this land from the Native Americans, and he he just had no backing with that because most people yeah. believe that uh, the whites deserved access to all the Indian lands. so it, he didn't he was able to overturn it, but then he couldn't save the tribe from getting kicked off the land anyway. And he continues to do this even once he leaves the presidency, he becomes the uh, he winds up running and winning uh, election of the House of Representatives after that. Yeah. After, no, he
0: stays in Congress, stays in Congress literally, Congress. literally until he dies. Until he died, I mean, yeah. he falls over at eighty-one yeah. while he's in a chamber. He's
1: anti-slavery, yeah. not like soup not like yeah. one of these intense um, anti-slavery people. But he is against slavery. He. Defend- he's from the north. I mean, the guy's yeah. from
0: New England. I mean, he was know? part
1: of the Amistad case, defended the Africans in the Amistad case. I mean, he he becomes yeah. a major player in history. He probably more remembered for what he does after the presidency than what he actually does after the president. Yeah, but like you yeah. said, Pi, hundred percent, he was. If someone was going to be born and bred to be the president, John Quincy Adams is that person. He was also a throwback to, like you said, we said before, that Federalist Party. A lot of the Federalists are people who still had some of that Federalist. I I mean, his
0: father was literally at one point the head of the Federalist Party and the president of the United States. They looked
1: at him as being like, this is your, this is again, like kind of like the heir apparent. He should be president, this guy.
0: Also, we should mention the fact that when this guy was growing up, I mean, his father, he went across the Atlantic. Right. To France and later in Britain, because uh, ultimately John Adams was sent to France uh, during the American Revolution to ask for help with Benjamin Franklin. And then later on, he became the first ambassador to England shortly thereafter. uh, Once the Revolutionary War was over, John Adams took John Quincy with him everywhere. So like John Quincy was literally like 12 years old having a lunch with King George. Like this guy was fluent in 14 languages. By the time he was like 17, he held actual positions as an envoy to France, an official position at the age of 14. Again, he's born and bred to be a Federalist, but he starts to really kind of identify himself with a lot of the um, Democratic Republicans or Republican, I should say, viewpoints. Ultimately, the Federalist Party kind of dies out. So he runs as a Republican, but before that he was also the he became the Secretary of State to James President James Monroe
1: and that was a big thing uh, that huge that's thing. gonna come later on because yep, we talk being, about that yeah that was seen as a stepping stone to being the president to the if you were the Secretary yep. of State you had a very good chance of becoming the president remember Jefferson was Secretary of State so for a lot of these guys were Secretary of states before yeah. they became president
0: what ultimately happens here is He's unfortunately seen, though, by a lot of people out West. As being elitist, right? kind of, Yeah, as being super elitist. They're like, this guy is just snotty. He's just like a you know, daddy's boy. He had everything handed to him, blah, blah, blah. He was Harvard educated. Silver
1: spoon in his mouth.
0: Silver spoon in his mouth, exactly. A lot of Western states, at this time as the West is growing and Americans are moving out West, a lot of these states enticed people to move to them by giving them universal suffrage. In other words, come to our state like Kentucky or Tennessee or so on and so forth. The further west you can go, and what you'll get in return is the ability to vote. There was no more land restrictions. It was simply if you were a white male, boom, you can vote. And
1: that started to really turn the tide in the twenty-four and twenty-eight elections. Is that just is this what's called like the poor white man going out and voting, which wasn't Mm -hmm. happening before?
0: And that's why a lot of these poor white men are the ones that are like, yeah, this guy's too elitist for us. Like we can't, I mean, this guy speaks 14 languages, right? He's met the King of England when he was 14 or whatever, like, or 12. We can't associate ourselves with that. They just could not somehow connect and see eye to eye with John Quincy Adams, which kind of brings us to the main person that's opposing him. And that is
1: Andrew Jackson. So he comes in and, Jackson has, I mean, we talked about Jackson a little bit. Everything you know about Jackson, we kind of talked about when we did the presidential assassination attempts, remember? That mm-hmm. Someone tried to kill him and he beat the guy, with his, almost beat the guy to death with his cane. That pretty much sums yep. up um, a lot to do with Jackson. Um, so He yes. prevents himself like the everyman, right? Old Hickory. Yeah, the Battle yeah. of New Orleans. He fought in the Indian Wars. I mean, this Jackson was a very intense individual and he really... The people of the West and the South really looked at him as like a larger-than-life figure. So you're talking about and also, personality. Jackson had personality. Yeah.
0: And also he was what they known what they was known as the self-made man. Yeah. What's crazy is that he actually – he the guy came from nothing. He was pretty much raised as an army brat. Yeah. I mean he was raised by the military from a very young age. And
1: he was scarred by the British, I believe, right?
0: Yes. In the American Revolutionary British. War, he was a little kid and a British um, soldier – rode up on a horse and told him to clean his shoes. And Jackson, Jackson cursed him out as a little kid. Yeah. So the guy Slash slashed him and with sword a, uh, a
1: scar in his face. Sword. Yeah, so he yeah. hated the British. That goes into this whole oh, he hated the British. 1812 stuff, yeah.
0: After the War of 1812, obviously, we're, you know, there's a little gap here before he runs in 1824. There's another thing that makes him even more popular. And that is when President James Monroe sends Andrew Jackson as U.S. you know Army General down to the Georgia, Florida border when Florida was still owned by the Spaniards. And he was supposed to make sure that the Seminole Indians that were raiding Georgian towns um, would stop doing so because the premise was that the Seminoles would raid Georgia towns and then go back into Spanish Florida where we had no jurisdiction to chase them into. So Andrew Jackson goes in there and he kind of ignores the orders. And invades Florida mm-hmm. in the name of the United States, kills tons of Native Americans, including a lot of Spanish officials, and ultimately claims Florida for the United States. James Monroe is like, oh my goodness, this is going to start a, a war with he Spain. He didn't want to go that far. The people, though, are like, heck yeah. Like, we want this land. This is awesome, right? He just got a small yeah, he's, land. He's
1: doing what he wants to do. He's, he's out manifest destiny idea, but it's also just they like this guy because he's doing what they all thought he's actually doing it. Jackson, yes. you can say what you want about him, but he he did what he thought was right and he did it. When he, could, yeah. when he decided to do something, he committed to it.
0: Right. Funny enough, when he runs in 1824, he's running as a Republican. I mean, the Democratic, Democratic Party, Party that he creates doesn't happen until after the election of 1824. Yeah. So, so we have the election,
1: right? Um, yeah, you have those and people, I, Crawfield. I'm, I'm sorry, Pete. Crawfield. Yeah, go ahead. You go. Crawford, go, ahead, go ahead. Um, Crawford has a stroke, so he's kind of not there as much anymore. But mm-hmm. uh, what happened? But during this time, the candidates themselves—they didn't do what you see now when they go out and campaign. Their mm-hmm. followers campaigned for them, right? Mm-hmm. They were the ones. Their supporters were the ones that campaigned for them, and so and that's what they started doing all around the country. The big thing in this election was they, they rewrote songs. That's what I was reading about. I saw a bunch of them. Yeah. So they rewrote these like popular songs of the time to even support their candidate or mock the other ones, and that was really what you were seeing. And you would, so people would be singing these songs. Kind of, you know, m- yeah. m- making fun of Calhoun, uh, making fun of Jackson, or supporting Jackson, depending on which side you were on, and that's just how it basically worked. And then they voted, and the voting back then wasn't just one day.
0: Yeah, it started in October, October it went through December, December. yeah, end
1: of December second. Yeah. So they had a lot of time to actually vote. Obviously, the you know logistics of voting was a little bit different in eighteen twenty four than in twenty
0: twenty. When the, everything's tallied. Jackson had 99 electoral votes. You needed 131. I
1: just want to emphasize that. You needed 131 at that time to win the Electoral College.
0: Yes. He was 32 short of a majority, right? So Jackson has 99 electoral votes. Adams comes in second with 84. Crawford 41 and Clay 37. Right. Yes. So, according to the Constitution, Amendment 12, the House of Representatives had to choose a president yeah. from three highest names on the list. So,
1: that would be right? Jackson, Adams, and Crawford. And Crawford had a stroke. So, it definitely wasn't going to be him. Um, yeah. Little side. Note, and Clay. Little side. I'm sorry. Calhoun ahead. is elected vice. So, we have a vice president. It was different then. People were running. It was like a party ticket that didn't happen mm-hmm. yet. So, Calhoun gets 182. Vote so he's the vice president. That's going to come and play later on too, because Calhoun does something interesting in the election of 1828.
0: This is the beginning of this what becomes known as a corrupt bargain because Clay is out of the race, right? But yeah. he throws his support to Adams.
1: He does hate Jackson. Well, yeah, he, he doesn't he, see Jackson as presidential.
0: Exactly, he says he saw him as like a hick from the west. Exactly, basically.
1: like he, a famous quote. He says it's all right. He killed 2,500 British in the Battle of New Orleans. How does that qualify him for being president? You have to understand before this, everyone that was president of the United States was from the Northeast, right? They were from Virginia or they were from Massachusetts. That was it. It was the only states producing presidents up to uh, 1828.
0: I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen
2: Podcasts.
0: I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week, wherever you get your podcasts. Essentially, what starts to kind of happen here is Adam wins, right? On the first ballot in the house. And we should also mention that what was Henry Clay's job? He was the speaker of the house. Yeah. So by Henry Clay throwing his hat behind Adam's, he kind of orchestrated the House of Representatives to choose Adams. So Adams wins on the first ballot in the House. He receives the votes of 13 states as opposed to seven for Jackson and four for Crawford. And yeah, he
1: becomes the second um, president.
0: Technically, this was perfectly fair and constitution, constitutional, yeah. right? And even Andrew Jackson was the one of the first ones to congratulate Adams right on his inauguration day. Like, all was well Absolutely.
1: until... What makes it right? unique, too... And we'll get back to that. Is Jackson did win the popular vote? Yes, he won 40 percent of the vote. And what happens with this? He becomes the only. It's like a trivia, I guess, trivia question. Whatever. He becomes Mm -hmm. the only president, only candidate to to have the most electoral votes, but not become president because he did have 99 electoral votes when it started. And um, and it's it's the first of what will become, I think, four times. Right? Yeah, four times Mm -hmm. that the person who wins the popular vote does not become president. Like you said, Jackson's okay with it. He's actually okay with it until some more information comes out.
0: Yes. So Jackson, um, again, congratulates Adams. He's like, hey, all right, it is what it is.
1: they, They do have similar ways of government.
0: And then Adams does the unthinkable in the eyes of Andrew Jackson. He appoints Henry Clay, his secretary of state. And that's when, like, you know, poop hits the well, fan.
1: They almost immediately start calling it what we said, this corrupt bargain. It's the idea. Yes. And then Jackson and his followers are saying, this is the elitist. They are going they have this conspiracy against a common man. They want to force themselves in power. They want to force their elitist ways on the rest of the country. Now, Clay and Adams both um, deny this, that mm-hmm. that's what happened, that Clay said, hey, I'll, I'll make sure the House votes for you if you make me secretary of state. And there's been no way that you're never going to prove it one way or the other. Right. Could mm-hmm. it have happened? It very definitely could have happened because you know that's how politics works, you know.
0: And as you mentioned before, this was seen as like a dynasty
1: of the Secretary of State. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Um he won that position because <laughs> he he yeah. wanted to be president. He thinks that's gonna be yeah. right and it winds up, you know, totally ruining him politically.
0: If you think of George Washington, his secretary of state was Thomas Jefferson. He became president. Thomas Jefferson's secretary of state was James Madison. He became president. James Madison's secretary of state was James Monroe. He became president. James Monroe's secretary of state was John Quincy Adams. He just became president. So when John Quincy Adams names Henry Clay to this position of secretary of state, Jackson now sees this like, okay, they stole this election from me. I won the popular vote. This was not fair. They stole it from me, and they're already trying to ensure that I don't come back. And at this point, you have Andrew Jackson says, you know what? Screw this. This isn't democracy. He goes, this is a farce. And he goes out there, and he creates an, a brand new political party. He does. Um, it almost which,
1: instantly. Your IP. I like guess right away, like right after the yeah. election. It's actually before Adams is even in the White House.
0: Yeah. he's And that. the new party is called the Democrats. Democratic Party, yep. Yep. So now we are going for the next election, right? We're going to have two political parties. And the next election, as you mentioned, starts before the first one's even over. Right away, you have Jackson and his supporters are like, we're just going to make John Quincy Adams'
1: life miserable. And they do. Well, the big thing is you have the midterm elections. You had those back then, right? Mm -hmm. In 1826, um, a lot of these, what they start calling themselves Jacksonians, these followers of Jackson, the Jacksonian Mm -hmm. democracy, Jacksonian Democrats, they win a lot of seats in Congress. So right there, that just kind of makes Adams almost like a lame duck in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And they start criticizing and going at everything he tries to do. They're calling him an elitist. They're saying that he has, he does not respect the common man, those sorts of things, so which that was just kind of the perception already that people had of Adams, right, that we talked about before. That Adams mm-hmm. didn't really want to associate with the ordinary man. And now everything he does, they're just calling him out about that. And um, particularly the big thing that I saw came up a couple of times was the tariff of 1828. Um, which actually yep. increased tariffs by yeah by 60%. And it was known as a tariff of abominations. And that just turned the South completely against Adams. If there was any supporters still in the South for Adams, that was gone with this tariff. So you really was regionalized by the election of 1828 when the northerners supporting Adams and the, um, the they become the national Republicans. They're, they're basically mm-hmm. the ones supporting Adams. And then you had everyone from the uh, South, the Democrats were supporting Jackson
0: the northern manufacturers in the north right manufacturing kind of kicks off and starts off uh, during the war of 1812 like you know 10 15 years prior because we were fighting against england whom we would normally get most of our manufactured goods from and as a result we had to we couldn't get it from them because we were fighting against them so we had to create our own factories up north and that's what we did but once the war of 1812 ended all these new American industries needed to be protected because England was going to flood our markets with cheap goods all over again and basically destroy competition in America. War. It was a trade war. Yeah. So what this tariff that is passed is definitely, as you said, Tom, viewed as something that benefits the North because by having, and at the time, this was the largest tariff you know in American history on foreign products and foreign goods. What it did is it made American goods cheaper by subsequently making British and French and other goods more expensive. So that way it enticed people to purchase American. However, when you look at the South, the South's economy was based almost entirely, if not enti- entirely, on exports. And they exported to these different nations. And because the United States now was you know, taxing these other nations with such high tariffs... These other nations retaliated by also taxing American products going to them. And it just so happens that the American products that were going to them were the raw materials from the South. South. So the South is losing tons of money over this. And they're seeing this whole thing as like, you know, John Quincy Adams is only benefiting his northern constituents. He's only benefiting the northern bankers and more elitist people. What about us common man folk? What about our, you know, I wouldn't say middle class because it's not a thing yet. But what about us? And this is where Andrew Jackson's like, Well, I'm here for you guys. You know, yeah, like, I'm
1: one of you. I'm from Tennessee. I get it. He was a farmer. So he's like, Yep. You know, I, I understand what you're going through. I will get rid of the National Bank. That becomes his big thing, right? Get rid of the National Although Bank. Although
0: he said he was a farmer. Have you ever been to his uh, plantation? No. So I've, I've been to his plantation. And uh, I think saying a farmer is kind of like an understatement. It's like saying that George Washington was a farmer. <laughs>
1: but yeah. Well, we right. have those two. other the people you can classify yourself as a farmer if you, uh, Grow I Christmas tree, just of yeah, but. yeah.
0: So, what happens during these four years? And you kind of touched upon this a little bit at the beginning. John Quincy Adams, especially after the midterm elections, he gets nothing done, apart from this one terrible tariff that alienates, you know, two yeah. thirds yeah. of the nation. And Jackson's the West supporters
1: are just thorns in his side. Like they are just, they're just ripping into him. Yeah. Like whenever he has a chance to do anything or say whatever he says, whatever he does, they're just attacking him. And it doesn't help that, again, that idea that Adams is kind of an elitist because he actually states when he's, he won't, he wasn't even, he wouldn't even campaign for his own reelection, And he's like, no, it's that he would say, if the country wants me to be their president, they will show me, she will show me. And they're just like, you have to go out there and at least talk about it. And his supporters did a lot. And that, this is another thing that happens, I guess you want to get into the actual Election now a little bit. Yeah, I was going to do that. Yeah, so because to, this election, election of eighteen twenty-eight, this election gets nasty. Um, yeah. Their Adam supporters really do go after Jackson, and Jackson goes back to them too. But they're talking about how Jackson like killed the Native Americans, how he mm-hmm. killed a lot of, how he killed these people in duels. But then it goes even; it gets personal. They're calling Jackson's mother. They're writing stories how Jackson's mother was a prostitute, and yeah. they go after Jackson's wife, Rachel. And this is why one thing that enrages Jackson to no point. When they go after yeah. his wife and call her all types of different names and really attack her physically. Um, well, I mean,
0: it, it, I mean, we could call what they, I mean, they called her a whore. Yeah. I mean, literally. And I quote,
1: um, and the reason for that, and that's is a huge, in, I mean, that's an insult today, but that is like a, you,
0: oh, please. Yes. In
1: 1820s. That, that is, that is a huge. And they did
0: this in, in news, like newspapers. This, this was like, news- news- this is in
1: newspapers. Um, and they
0: did this it because was published.
1: it was actually published. Yeah. Yes. Andrew
0: Jackson met Rachel when she was still married to somebody else. And she did not really secure a divorce yet when she started hooking up with Andrew Jackson. And they kind of you know fell in love and they wound up getting married. But the problem is that she was still married. so when when all the paperwork went through and she officially got divorced, um Andrew Jackson and Rachel like remarried again. But this is what was being kicked up again, this idea of like, hey, listen, you know, like that's you know, I don't gonna, think he was you know, she
1: was even living with this guy for years before. No, that. not at all. but it was a scandal of, of that time. And what happens is, I guess, well, you know, after Jackson, we know Jackson wins. Rachel actually dies. She passes away. She was in poor health. And Jackson blames Adams and his campaign for pushing her over the edge for all that stress. And he blames him. He Mm -hmm. actually tells them, you know, you killed my wife. I will not forget that. And Jackson is not someone that is going to forget. It's really anything Adams, anything that the uh, Democratic-Republicans basically wanted to do or had already put in place, he was just going to destroy is for as far mm-hmm. as he said, you know, they took away what he loved and his wife, And so he's going to take away anything that they did.
0: Yep. And this was going definitely back and forth. This mm-hmm. idea of you know, uh, there were also, of course, well, they in <laughs> front of
1: Adams too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know,
0: so Adams had a, a things thrown his way as well. This yeah. actually became known as the mudslinging campaigns yep. because these guys. It wasn't, as you mentioned, kind of before. This was not about politics. This yeah. was about character. And this was about- Again, they had
1: the same policies for the where, most
0: part. Yes. And where geographically are you from? What kind of people are you representing? John Quincy Adams loved to play pool. Yeah. yeah um, I saw this part, yeah. did you hear that one? Yeah. So like, he bought a billiards table for the White House, which he purchased with his own money, by the way. Brings it to the White House, and he loved to play pool with his son. And the newspaper starts saying how he's turning the White House into a gambling center. Yeah, because and, he bought that you know, in, in a chessboard. Yes, the chessboard. He's like, it's gambling. You turn the White House into a a gambling center. And then the other thing that came out is that at one point, Adams was actually the ambassador to Russia. Russia. Yeah,
1: yeah, I saw this one. (laughs) This this is an interesting one.
0: So the newspaper started saying that John Quincy Adams, while ambassador to Russia when he was younger, he actually provided young American virgins for the Tsar of Russia. Gave her a girl as a
1: present, like a a young 12-year-old girl as a present to the Tsar of Russia. (laughs)
0: Like, he gifted and, and, and her. John Quincy Adams, yeah, John Quincy Adams like, what? Like, what are you talking about? But these are the kind of things that are being published every single day. It's just like a tax on character.
1: Um, and people and are going to believe back what forward. they want. This is, you know, the beginning of, um, I guess, what What would you call it today? Fake news, right? Right. I mean, what else would you I mean, call we, it? We right? can say that without getting in trouble, right? <laughs> Fake news. Um, I guess we could say If we're right, referring we to that. it from the 1820s. That's why it's a lot of times called a modern campaign.
0: Yeah. And, um Jackson crushes Adams in election yeah, Day. Oh, actually he wins 50 of the vote off. yeah yes 174 right. votes right and he only needed what one 131 one, um yep to win
1: um basically what happens is sorry Pete um, Quincy yeah, Adams holds the same states that his father does
0: mm-hmm.
1: and wins the same um ones that he, when his father won, when his, when his father lost to um to Jefferson but uh, mm-hmm. Adam um Adam's, uh, Jackson is winning all the southern states he's winning all he's winning those states, so he, he wins it. a pretty much a, a landslide, and one reason is because you have these poor men going out to vote. Only, uh, and it's the largest voter turnout up to that point. Obviously, because so many more people yes. are voting, you have uh, over fifty seven percent. I think it was fifty seven point six percent of the population. Again, that could vote. The white men, my um, white men, voted, and uh, Jackson wins it's overwhelmingly.
0: Yeah. Um. You know what I want to bring up? We never really, we didn't really mention last time when the election of eighteen twenty four. So now we said that Jackson winds up winning the popular vote. He actually won 153,000 popular votes to 114,000 for Adams during the initial election. But at that time, six states that contained like one fourth of the entire population of the country, they didn't even count popular votes. It was just the electors choosing, you yeah. know, chosen by legislators. And out of those four states, only one gave his vote to Jackson, South Carolina. So who's to say that potentially the first time around, Jackson, might not have won the popular vote.
1: If they And actually Adams maybe did. Counted, yeah.
0: But this time around, there's absolutely no...
1: Oh, yeah, under- and Adams goes... And um, Jackson goes nuts. He actually invites people to the White House. I'm sure you saw this. Yes. And they have yes. this party at the White House, and they just come inside. Like, they're outside, and they eventually, like, you know, let's just go inside. And Adams is still there. Adams and his staff and his family are still living in the White House. Jackson wasn't sworn in yet as president. And they they actually run out the back door. They flee. Because in comes all of these people from like Tennessee and all these other states, basically like hillbillies and stuff like that, and they're ransacking the White House. They're drunk. Yeah. They're going crazy. They're, they're loving their victory. And then um, yeah. months later, when Jackson becomes president, he invites twenty thousand people over to the White House, and they do it yeah. again. Yep, yeah, have- and
0: that same night, he actually he he has to sleep in a hotel room because yeah, he
1: trashed the White House. <laughs> yeah, they trashed the White House. Yeah, they
0: start supposedly to start like throwing the china that belonged to George Washington. Yeah, and, yeah a and lot of stuff gets everything. like
1: destroyed at this time. Yeah, they're like, oh man. And Jackson's kind of like already went a little bit too far with that. But um,
0: yeah, and that's what newspapers said the next day, yeah. especially in the North. They're like, yeah, look at right, this—you're you, this, elected this, this is, backwards yeah, guy. Look
1: who you're elected, and this, look what happens. Yeah.
0: But and again, this is not meant to be a podcast about Andrew Jackson. However, he does usher in an era, this you know, of some more male universal suffrage.
1: Oh, he, should, he he presents it as a common man. He does uh, begin that whole idea of getting more people to vote, encouraging the rural vote, right? That rural vote, yep. the non-aristocrat vote to go out there. Another interesting thing about this election is um, John C. Calhoun, who was John Quincy Adams' vice president, actually mm-hmm. decides to switch and become Jackson's vice president. He, runs for, he supports and runs with Jackson in 1828.
0: Until he doesn't.
1: Until he doesn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, he'll eventually be Martin Van Buren. Yeah. But um, – yeah. Well, yeah, because he
0: gets they – get, they get they basically cl- clash over yeah, different policies different within Jackson. Policies. Well, and, he yeah. up and Van clear. Buren is
1: really the architect who helped get Jackson elected. He's the one that really stirred people up. He's the one that really encouraged get all those rural individuals out to vote. Mm-hmm. And Jackson rewards him by making sure that he becomes president after Jackson's term.
0: You know, a lot of people don't realize, and especially my students, I always tell them, when I say Andrew Jackson, they often throw out, you know, um, Trail of Tears. Mm-hmm. But the Trail of Tears actually happens during Van Buren's yeah. presidency. Yeah. Jackson has um, a lot of
1: other things. Um, well, yeah. I mean, he sets the Native whole Native thing American. in motion. He sets everything in motion with the Native Americans, without a doubt. Which was really weird because Jackson had a Native American son. He adopted a Native American but, but he killed he their family. So there, I mean, <laughs> like it's kind of like, I killed your family. Now I'm going to adopt you. And, yeah, and raise is, you. So again, he's the a dichotomy very. dichotomy is insane. He's a uh, lock, yeah, like lack of a term. Interesting. Just like studying him is just is it, on one hand he does one thing, on the other hand he does something else. It's just very, it's just intense. Like yeah. I don't know, there's a lot. Yeah. He's an interesting yeah. fellow. He's got a lot of layers, I guess you could say. Like there's not what Sh- Shrek says about ogres. ogres. Yeah, have, ogres. Ogres, ogres have, have layers. layers. Same thing. You know, <laughs> Andrew Jackson has layers, without a doubt.
0: So a few fun facts, I guess, about these gentlemen, and as well as the selection. I mean. The one thing I have about, well, the obvious, I guess, for John Quincy Adams, he is the second president ever in the United States history to lose an election and not get a second term. The first being his father.
1: They're both one term presidents.
0: Yeah, the first two one term presidents. But they're also the first pair of father son presidents. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's that's a fun fact. There's one other fact that John Quincy Adams used to – they said he, like, dressed – for someone that was super wealthy, if you knew him, they said he dressed kind of yeah. like a bum. I
1: heard that. You know? Too. Yeah. He always he was at, very unkempt, basically.
0: Very unkempt, dude. And he was very, super studious. Think of him as like kind of, like, nerdy in a sense. And while he lived a simple life, he used to get up at 5 a.m., right? He used to build his fire, read his daily portion of the Bible, right? Then he would take his walk, and he would love to swim. He used to actually skinny dip. He used to go skinny dipping in the Potomac River. And at one time, one of um, Jackson's supporters actually stole his clothes. Yes,
1: I remember that. That was something yeah
0: he like couldn't he like couldn't get out of water so he like found some boy was they, running by they just
1: did anything they could to mess with the guy like they just made his right. life it's funny i mean it's not funny but like but it's funny they picked on yeah. this guy like it was this was bullying they did anything they could to make it's <laughs> the president yeah, of the i United know States. they didn't care that's the craziness and this is in the 1820s i mean now if you look and watch what like sign night live and all those things you know to say about the presidents and stuff like that going all the way back to like gerald ford even right these catchers they were doing this in the 1820s too with the caricatures and with yeah. like just mocking them. But these, the Jacksonians, anything they could do to make Jackson, uh, make Adam's life miserable. Like they did. Like, yeah. Oh, we know he's going to, this is still his clothes and run off. Ha ha ha. Like yeah. anything,
0: and, anything you know, they could do. They were, they were successful. I mean, as you oh, mentioned yeah. before, he, um, he remained the worst beaten president until president Taft, like 80 years later. I mean, he was destroyed yeah. by Andrew Jackson.
1: I just, see a lot of parallels with modern day type of elections mm-hmm. now that you just see them. And, on, and
0: we have to, and that also the parallels being that like Andrew Jackson was very unconventional.
1: Yes. He, he was, I mean, he wasn't a career politician, you know, sound familiar. And, no, you know, we'll get into this a little bit. Yeah. Trump's president, Donald Trump's favorite president. He has said is Andrew Jackson. Yes. He he has Andrew Jackson's portrait hanging in his office. Presidents typically put the president that they want to emulate, that they want to you know, look up to. By. Yeah. Inspired by in their oval office with them. Um, like Obama had Lincoln. And then when Trump took over, he put in, he put in Jackson. He, he, yeah. he Jacksonian democracy for the people. I mean, that's what Trump ran on, right? The whole idea of make America great mm-hmm. again. That mantra is very similar to, you know, I'm the common man, the champion of the common man that uh, Jackson had. So there are, there are parallels there, without a doubt. Yeah. And we should also mention
0: that Henry Clay... Never Henry made Clay. it to the White House. Henry Clay. He
1: tries. How many times? He runs like a lot, right? It was like six he, times? He does,
0: yes. And I mean, you got to give the guy a chance.
1: You got to give the guy credit for like trying. He, like, he, he doesn't give up, but he never really had a chance either. Like it was just like, oh yeah. man. Like, every time they thought he might have had a chance and someone else comes and beats like a newcomer comes, like it's Jackson. It, you know, it's – and he's just like – Oh, man. And
0: even yeah. when he makes a corrupt bargain, you know what I mean? Like, okay, this is my way in. I'm going to be the Secretary yeah. of State. Or Secretary of State. I'm,
1: I'm qualified. And he was definitely, if you want to look at someone who has the qualifications that could do the job, he, he probably could have done the job. He just didn't have that charisma. And Jackson just makes sure that it'll never happen either with uh, yeah. that corrupt bargain he choice. But like we said, Quincy Adams has a very good um, influential political career after he's the president. Being in, no, being, he, being, absolutely. Being in, being in the House. So yeah,
0: and that's actually one there. of the. He's one of the first presidents to to be photographed. John Quincy Adams actually might be the first president to be photographed. The first photograph of a sitting I just googled it. Office holder was John Quincy Adams, and then sitting president was William Henry Harrison. So yeah, that's right. That was the first inauguration. We,
1: yeah, Harrison. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, see, there's crazy elections out there. So oh, that's then, just then, 2020. Yeah.
1: Oh, there's there's been plenty of crazy elections out there.
0: That's what politics is. So I guess we should just uh, remind everyone before we go that we are online. We have a website at com. We're also at History Teachers Talking on Facebook. And we also have a Twitter. <laughs> did, or, did we say we're going to do something positive? I guess this was semi-positive, lighthearted.
1: Yeah, it was a more lighthearted. Again, because you're looking at an election that happened over 100 years ago. So you're able to um, – actually, yeah, almost 200 almost years ago, really. Um yeah. So, and this, again, it's showing that history does repeat itself. Is this- hey,
0: who knows? Maybe one day in 200 years, someone's going to be talking
1: about this election. I'm I'm sure <laughs> they will be. I'm sure they will we'll be. be gone.
0: We'll be gone by then. We'll be I'm, gone I'm by sure then.
1: they'll be looking at it. Yes. In some way, shape or form.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in
1: and we will see
0: everyone next week. Stay, Stay safe,
1: everyone. Stay safe.
0: Hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com.
2: Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions.